What happened then? It got loud. Loud enough to be heard all over town. Fire appeared, divided and dispersed to each of them. The outsiders came running, and they heard the fire talkers tell of God's mighty works in their own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. The Spirit had come to describe the glory of God in their native tongues through those who followed Christ. These representatives of the world stood astounded but curious, bewildered but ready. Then Peter showed them from the scripture exactly what it meant, revealing God's promise to all who trust in Jesus. And many believed, and many repented, and many were baptized, and many were saved. The Spirit had come. The church was born. Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter number 2. The book of Acts chapter number 2 this morning. We're going to read beginning with verse number 1. We're going to read down and include verse number 13 this morning. The Bible says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Rhygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they were full Of new wine. Father, I thank you for your incredible and powerful and infallible word. God, I just pray today, Lord, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rest upon the message, upon the messenger, Lord, today. I pray that you will give us ears upon our heart to receive today. God, I pray that there will be many today that will be baptized with your spirit today 
As a result of this service, we pray all in the name of Jesus. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, this past Sunday, I began a brand new series that I'm calling Take Action. Turn to your neighbor this morning and say, Take Action. We are taking a journey through the book of Acts. When my wife heard me say that, she turned to me and she said, The whole book? I said, Well, the good news is we're not going to do it all in one Sunday. Amen. I promise you that if I get bogged down in, the, in, in going through the book of Acts, if I, the, the, the moment that I get bored, we'll go to something else, all right? That's what I feel like that we need to do. We're taking a journey through the book of Acts. Now, last Sunday, we walked through chapter number one. Now, some of these chapters, we'll take the whole chapter in a, in a Sunday. Some, as uh, today, we'll take a partial chapter. Today we're going to look at the first 13 verses of chapter number 2 that we read a moment ago. Acts is a book of action. It's an action book. I, I said this last Sunday, but I want to say it again. Somebody said, passion without motion is just emotion. See, it's great to have passion, but passion alone is not enough. We must put our passion into motion. Now, now, as I looked at these 13 verses this week, as I read and reread over them, there are six things that, that jumped out at me. There are six things that I want to point out to you in these first 13 verses of Acts chapter 2. The first thing that I see, I find it in verse number 1, and that is the scene. The scene. Now, 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 before the ascension of Jesus back into heaven, he had given them specific instruction. We find that in Luke chapter 24 and verse number 49, where Jesus told the disciples, he said, to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And then in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, 120 people gather together in an upper room, in a second story room that has been reserved, that has been set aside, that has been prepared for this, for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And there's two things I want us to notice here. First of all, I want us to notice that they gathered as an act of obedience. They gathered as an act of of obedience. Listen, listen, we would do well to follow the example of the 120. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22 says, to obey is better than sacrifice. Now, to put that in our common vernacular, for us to better get a handle on it and understand what that actually is saying, another way to translate this verse is to simply say it this way, to obey is better than worship. That to obey God is better. That God takes more pleasure. That God is more pleased when we obey Him even more than when we worship. To obey is better than than worship. Here's what I'm, I'm afraid happens. And that is that people come to church every single Sunday to worship a God that they have been disobeying all week long. May I say that out of experience, 
But I can tell you that I have never one time ever regretted obeying God. I cannot say the same about my disobedience. But not only did these 120 gather as an act of obedience, but but they gathered also with a common objective. We talked about that last week. Their, their, their gathering had a twofold purpose. They gathered to pray and they gathered to receive power from on high. And I would say this morning, may that our gathering today have the very same objectives. Second thing that I see in this passage this morning, that is, I see the sound. The sound that's found in verse number two. The Bible says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There are two things that I want us to notice here. First of all, first of all, this is very, very important this morning. I want us to notice the direction, the direction of the sound. The Bible says there came a sound from heaven, a sound from from heaven, oh, oh, to hear a heavenly sound today. May I tell you that this is my prayer. This is my prayer this morning that we would hear a sound from heaven. God, give us worship leaders and songwriters today who know how to enter their own personal upper rooms and who are willing to stay there until the Holy Spirit falls upon them. God, give us worship leaders today that will not just depend upon their natural ability and their natural talent, but God, give us worship leaders and songwriters today who know how to enter their own personal upper room and who are willing to stay there until the Holy Holy Spirit falls upon them. And then when they lead us in worship, we would hear a sound from heaven. Now the style of the song and the supplier of the song is irrelevant. Although the modern church today are more concerned about the style and the supplier of whom wrote it and what it sounds like. Listen, it's not about the, about the sound of the song. What it is about is that we would hear, amen, a, a, we would hear a sound from heaven. Style and supply, that's all personal Preference, I'm, I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm, I'm talking about a sound from heaven based upon the fact that the Holy Spirit from heaven has taken over the worship leader's heart. And so because the Holy Spirit has invaded and, and taken over the heart of the worship leader, so what comes out of the mouth of the worship leader is a sound from heaven. May I tell you this morning that only those who have a heart for heaven will produce a sound from heaven. And equally so with the preacher. May he lock himself up in his upper own upper room and may he pray until the Holy Spirit falls upon him. And when he opens his mouth, there will not be just some little memorized self-help pep talk coming out, but rather there will be a sound, a sound from heaven. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, it was preceded first by a sound, a sound from heaven. But here's the deal. It's hard to hear a sound from heaven when you're all enamored 
with the sounds of the world. It's hard to hear a sound from heaven when you spend all of your time listening to the voice of the world. It's hard to hear a sound from heaven when you are spiritually hard of hearing. Now, I know you won't believe it when I say it, but I'm 61 years old. And I'm a little bit hard of hearing. My wife is always telling me, sweetheart, you need a hearing aid. And I tell her, it ain't going to happen. Look at me in the face and talk louder. A while back, my wife and I were talking in the kitchen. She walks away. A few moments later, a couple seconds later, I walk back into our bedroom. And my wife is livid. She is angry. And she gets in my face. Oh, yeah, she's sweet up here. And she said, I've been talking to you for five minutes and you haven't responded. I said, honey, you walked out of our kitchen, down the hall, into our bedroom, into our private bath, and I find you here in our closet. And you're angry because I cannot hear you. I couldn't hear you in the kitchen. And you're back here in our closet. I believe that there is a sound to be heard. I believe that there's a sound from heaven. But listen, it's hard to hear a sound from heaven when you are spiritually hard of hearing. The reason I believe why the 120 heard the sound was because they shut themselves up with God in the upper room. I believe the reason why the 120 heard the sound was because they shut the world out. Hear me this morning, hear me this morning. Heavenly sounds can't be heard with worldly ears. But not only do I want to point out the direction of the sound, but also I want us to notice the dimension of the sound. Verse number 2 says that this sound filled the whole house. This year has been declared a year of prayer. Some of you have already forgotten. One of the results that I am hoping for, one of the results that I am believing for, one of the results that I am praying for, for our, for our efforts in prayer this year is spiritual revival. Not just a few spiritual sprinkles, not just a sprinkling of people uh, here and there that is renewed in, in, in the spirit. No, no, no. I'm praying, that, I'm praying that everyone will be able to hear the sound. I'm praying that the sound from heaven will fill this whole house just like on the day of Pentecost. I ask you this morning, can anyone hear a sound today? Can anyone hear a sound today? Is anyone even listening for a sound? 
You see, before the Spirit is poured out, there is first a sound to be heard. A sound from heaven. But hear me this morning, you'll never hear this sound if you are not listening for the sound. And you'll never hear this sound if you are spiritually hard of hearing. And you'll never hear this sound as long as you tune your ears to the sound of the world. Let me ask you this this morning, does the, does the sound that you are hearing from this pulpit today, does it ring true in your spirit? Are you just hearing a sermon today? Are you just hearing another sermon today? Or does somebody here this morning, somebody here this morning hear a sound? Can somebody hear a sound in their spirit, a sound from heaven? Can anyone hear a sound going off in your spirit today? I believe it's the sound of the Holy Spirit. Verse 2 once again, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. Third thing that I see in these verses, I see the sign. We find the sign in verse number 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, And one sat upon each of them. Over the heads of each of the 120 was a flame of fire. You might ask, Pastor, why a flame of fire? There are two reasons. First of all, because John the Baptist predicted this fire. John the Baptist predicted the fire. Luke chapter 3 and verse number 16. John said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The purpose of the fire is to purify. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 11 says you are cleansed. You are made holy. You are made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and, say and, and by the Spirit of our God. And Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, he says, if you will walk in the Spirit, he said, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're talking about the sign right now. The sign was a flame of fire that appeared over the heads of the 120. John the Baptist had predicted the fire. And the purpose of the fire is to purify. Listen this this morning, and that is Holy Spirit fire will purify our lives. Some of you have got the tongue, but you haven't got the fire. If you're having trouble overcoming the temptation to sin, you need your own personal upper room experience. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you need more than just to speak in other tongues. You need more than the manifestation of tongues, but you need the fire that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that fire, that fire is, to, is, to, is to purify. It is to purify. It is to burn off the dross. It is to burn off the impurities in our life. And if you're having trouble living the life, if you're having trouble walking the walk, You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, but you need the fire of the Holy Spirit to accompany that baptism, to burn out the impurities that are in your life. Jesus said the baptism in the Holy Spirit produces power, power to be and power to do. Notice the fourth thing that I see in this passage this morning, that is, number four, I see the saturation. The saturation is found in verse number 
4, the Bible says they were all filled. Say all filled. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Two things we need to know here. First of all, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is available to everyone who wants it. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is available to everyone who wants it. There are only two requirements for being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The first requirement of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is you must be saved. You must be born again. You must be blood-bought. The second requirement is you must possess a genuine desire to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The 120 that assembled together in the upper room were believers. They were already believers. They were already followers of Jesus Christ. Eleven of them were Christ's disciples. They possessed a genuine desire to receive the Holy Spirit baptism that Jesus promised them. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is available to everyone who wants it. And that includes you and that includes me today. It wasn't just for the 120 in the upper room, as some theologians would say today, as some teachers would say today. No, no, no. No, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. Everyone. That includes you and me. You say, Pastor, do you have scripture on that? Yes, I just happen to have some. In that same chapter, Acts chapter 2, but all the way back, all the way down to verse number 39. The Bible says the promise, the promise, what promise? The promise of the baptism, the promise of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the the promise of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. This promise, the writer said, this promise is to you. Talking to the people that were standing before him, said, this is a promise to you. But he said, it's not only a promise to you, but he said, it's to your children. He said, not only is it to your children, but he said it is to those that are afar off. And that, he wasn't just talking about those that are not here bodily or present physically, but he's talking about in different times and, and next generations and next generations, different times and places. He said, the promise is to you, it's to your children, it's to all that are far off. And if that's not enough, he went on and said, as many as the Lord our God will call. And I'm telling you this morning that the Lord is still calling people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Second thing we need to know here is this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit only comes to those who are willing. Verse number four, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice this phrase, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me stop and do a little teaching here this morning. In order for us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, it will require cooperation. The Holy Spirit will come upon us. That is His job. He will come upon us. Jesus will baptize us with His Holy Spirit. That is His job. The Holy Spirit will give us the tongues to speak and the words to say. And they will be a tongue that we have not learned. It will be a tongue. I speak English. Well, I also speak Texan, so I guess I speak... Really, I only speak Texan. I don't really speak English, all right? I don't know any other language except, except English. So, so if the Holy Spirit, if I were to be baptized, and I am baptized in the Holy Spirit, the tongue that, that, that I would receive would be a tongue that would be not my native tongue, which is, 
which is English. And so the Holy Spirit will give me the words in another dialect, in another tongue uh, that I have not learned supernaturally. The Holy Spirit will give me those words to speak. The Holy Spirit will give us the tongues to speak and the words to say. But we must be willing to speak the words the Holy Spirit gives us. The Holy Spirit will not reach into your mouth and take your tongue and make your tongue talk. And some of you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the reason why is because you have this misconception that it's all on the Holy Spirit. It's not all on the Holy Spirit. It is a work of cooperation. It is us working with the Spirit and the Spirit working with us. The Holy Spirit will give the utterance. The Holy Spirit will give the words. And we don't understand them. And maybe they even sound like gibberish to, uh, gibberish to us. But the Holy Spirit will not speak the words for us. That is our job. That is our job. He will give us the words to speak. But we must be willing to speak the words. We must be willing to use our tongue to say the words He gives us to say. Holy Spirit, I've said it three times, but the Holy Spirit will give us the words, but He won't speak the words for us. We must cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We must open our mouths, and we must speak supernaturally in a language that we have not been taught, and we do this by faith. Now, please understand this this morning. Tongues are not the Holy Spirit. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I pray that I'll be filled with those tongues. We, the tongues, are that's not the Holy Spirit. We should not seek after tongues. We seek to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is simply the sign or the evidence that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not the only evidence The fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are also evidence. But speaking in tongues is the initial or first physical evidence or proof that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now hear me this morning. If you don't speak in tongues, that doesn't mean that you don't have the Holy Spirit. I know it's a little confusing, but, but just because you do not speak in other tongues, that doesn't mean that you, that you do not have the Holy Spirit. Every believer receives the Holy Spirit at salvation. But there is a second experience. Say second experience. Say I'm going back for seconds. There is a second experience with God that is available to all believers that we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit where we, where we receive a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens. We get more of Him and He gets more of us. The 120 in the upper room already possessed the Holy Spirit. But on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, they were baptized. They were immersed. They were saturated. They were filled to the rim with the Holy Spirit. How many still with me this morning? Let's take a quick look at the fifth thing I see in this passage. I'm running out of time, but I'm not running out of sermon. Fifth thing that I find in this passage is I see the seekers. You'll find them in verses 5 through 12, and I'm not going to take the time to reread that because I've already read it and I'm running out of time. But here's what we need to understand. Two things that we need to see here. Number one is that a genuine move of the Holy Spirit will attract a crowd. A genuine move of the Holy Spirit will attract 
the crowd. Verse number 6 says that the multitude came together on the day of Pentecost when the, when the Holy Spirit had been poured out. And as 120 are gloriously being baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're lifting their voices and they're praising God in a, in a heavenly language or an, another tongue, a, a, a supernatural a tongue that they have not learned, that drew a crowd. I don't understand because today we are being told and I've been in seminars where they tell you today that you cannot grow a church today if it is truly Pentecostal and Spirit-filled. That's one of the reasons so many churches are going for cool over power and cool over the moving of the Spirit. Listen, I think we can have both. On the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out, this actually attracted a crowd. I believe that there are a host of seekers today who are looking and longing and searching for a genuine move of the Holy Spirit. Now hear me this morning. Listen, listen, I'm not talking about hocus pocus. God knows we've got more than our share of hocus pocus in spirit-filled Pentecostal circus. Manipulation. I'm not talking about hocus-pocus. I'm not talking about sensationalism. I'm not talking about working everybody up into some emotional frenzy kind of an atmosphere. I'm talking about a genuine move of the Holy Spirit. If you read this passage carefully, there doesn't seem to be any over-the-top emotional going on in the upper room. I want to say that again. If you read this passage carefully, there doesn't seem to be any over-the-top emotionalism going on in the upper room. In fact, it might surprise some of you old-time Pentecostals, like me, to understand that verse number 2 says that when the Holy Spirit entered the upper room that the 120 were sitting down. It filled the whole room where they were. Sitting. They weren't jumping up and down. They weren't running the aisles. They weren't running around the building. They weren't rolling on the floor. They were calmly sitting when the Holy Spirit showed up. I'm certainly not against God touching our emotions. I'm certainly not against people responding to God touching their emotions. But let me tell you what I've learned. I've learned that people will respond to God touching their emotions based mostly upon their unique personality. I'm loud here, I'm loud on the golf course. I'm animated up here, I'm animated on the golf course. I was playing in a tournament the other day and my, man, I just was following my putt, man, to that hole because I just knew it was going to, and then I had to give it a couple little extra, and some of these guys play with me, I'm animated, that's just who I am. And so when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, I'm going to be a little bit animated because that's the way God made me. That's in line with my personality. But how we react emotionally to the Holy Spirit, listen, 
listen, has absolutely nothing to do with the measure of our spirituality. Some of it is based on personality. Some of it is based on culture. I've been around the world. I know what I'm talking about. Some of it is based upon what we've seen. In the olden days, if you were Church of God, you would jerk. If you were Assemblies of God, you'd roll. Jimmy Swagger said his mama had the Church of God jerk and the Assembly of God roll all wrapped into one. Listen, listen. How we react emotionally to the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with the measure of of our spirituality. Not only will a genuine move of the Holy Spirit attract the crowd, a genuine move of the Holy Spirit will amaze the crowd. Verse number 7 says they were all amazed and marveled. And verse number 12 it says they were all amazed and said to one another, whatever could this mean? They looked at each other and said, what are you talking about, Wilson? <laughs> Let me tell you, the questions aren't bad. Questions can be good if they lead you to the right answers, if they lead you to the truth. And they said, what in the world is going on here? What in the world does this mean? Oh, perhaps you are here today and you don't really understand the ways and the workings of the Holy Spirit. That's okay. Join the crowd. I'm 61, been in church all my life. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. We're all learning. It's all a process. We're all growing. We're all in different places in our walk with God. Listen, let me, let me give you some good admonition this morning. And that is simply open your Bible and ask the Holy Spirit what He wants you to know about Him. You say, I don't know about this Speaking in tongues, Pastor, I don't know about this being spirit-filled. I, I don't know about what you're talking about, this upper room experience that you're telling me I got to... I don't know all about this. Well, listen, listen, if that's you this morning, that's you this morning, it's okay. It's okay. You're not bothering me. Let me just encourage you to just open the Word of God. Amen. It was written by the Holy Spirit. And ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to know about you? And I believe that He will guide you into all truth. In fact, there have been people that, that, that study the book of Acts in order to disprove the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But instead of disproving it, it proved itself to them. And they themselves who started out to disprove this incredible experience themselves found them gloriously baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Open your Bible, ask the Holy Spirit what He wants You don't know about him. Come to cultivation classes on Wednesday night and be taught. There's a novel idea. Actually learn something about the one that you're worshiping on. Worshiping on Sunday. Wow. Seek wisdom from older, wiser, godly, spirit-filled people. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 7, he said, if you'll ask, it'll be given to you. He said, if you'll seek, you will find. He said, if you will knock, it will be opened unto you. Now the last thing. Got three minutes and 14 seconds this morning. The last thing I see in these verses, that is, I see the skeptics. 
And the skeptics are found in verse number 13. It says, others mocked them, saying they are full of new wine. All of these people gathered. Most of them were amazed at the outpouring of the Spirit. They were amazed at the supernatural they were seeing manifested before their very eyes. But others were skeptical. Verse 13, others mocked them saying they are full of new wine. May I tell you that we will always have skeptics. There will always be unbelievers. Very quickly this morning, if we get everybody on the platform that's supposed to be, come on up. Let me suggest two things this morning about skeptics. Number one, this morning skeptics make fun. Skeptics make fun. From the day of Pentecost until now, spirit-filled people have had to endure the skeptics. Here's the sad part. Skeptics miss out. The baptism in the Holy Spirit will be experienced through faith. The mockers will not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The skeptics will not experience this wonderful and powerful and glorious encounter. Oh, hear me this morning. Hear me, skeptic. Hear me, mocker. You might have an argument, but I have an experience. I have had an encounter. I have been there. I have done that. I have bought the t-shirt. So go ahead. Come on. Mock me. Go ahead. Make fun of me. But listen to me. Listen to me. It is you and not me that is missing out. Because I can't even imagine life without the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't even imagine life without the presence of the Holy Spirit. I can't even imagine life without the partnership with the Holy Spirit that I encounter. And I enjoy every single day. Amen. You may have an argument this morning, but I have an experience. I've been gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've been to the upper room. I've tarried. I've received the power that comes from on high. I've received a new heavenly language. Amen. That I can worship God in a new level. I can walk with God like I've never walked with God before. I have power that I would not have power without the empowering of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and mock and make fun if you want to. But I want to tell you, you're the one that is missing out. The question of the day is, have you been... Have you had your own personal upper room experience? Have you had your own personal upper room experience? And if you have, have you done anything with it? Maybe you received the tongue, but you didn't receive the fire because there's no evidence of purification in your life. This is a spirit-filled church. We believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence 
of speaking in other tongues. We also believe that everything is done decently and in order. The Holy Spirit is personally invited into every service personally by me. I totally refuse to preach without the help of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I refuse to be a lead pastor without the power and the gifts and the fruit that is made available to me by the Holy Spirit. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, we could get my prayer partners in place real quickly. Just it'll be a moment before I call anybody down, but just get in place. I need one over here. I need one in the middle. I need one over here. One over here, right there. I believe God wants to honor his word this morning. I'm not going to work you up into some emotional frenzy this morning. I've seen it done. I'm not going to yell and scream in your ear. I've seen it done. I've done it. If the baptism in the Holy Spirit is is supernatural and I believe that it is he doesn't need my help he doesn't need my manipulation I don't have to get you saying Jesus a thousand miles an hour and then touch your jaw and jiggle a little bit as I've seen done many times how many know what I'm talking about On the day of Pentecost, the 120 were sitting, calmly sitting, when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they were supernaturally baptized. And the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, as we stand calmly in the presence of the Lord today, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to believe God. Those of you that have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I believe that this morning can be your morning. I believe the Holy Spirit can come upon you this morning. And in your mind, you're going to hear words that you don't understand. Maybe it just sounds like gibberish. It may come out like gibberish to begin with. But by faith, I'm going to ask you to speak it out. Because the Holy Spirit's not going to take your tongue and make you talk. He's going to give you the words or he's going to give you a syllable. He's going to give you something. But you have to cooperate with him and you have to speak it out and you have to verbalize it. Without your cooperation, it won't happen. The Holy Spirit is available to everyone who wants it. But the Holy Spirit will only come upon those who are willing to take the step of faith and come into cooperation with the Spirit and speak as the Spirit gives. 
the utterance. Are you ready to be baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning? If that is your heart, if that is your desire, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift your hands right now. I'm going to pray the prayer right now. No magic in my prayer, but I'm going to pray a prayer of invitation right now. And I believe that the same Holy Spirit that descended upon the 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, that very same Spirit is going to descend upon us today. Amen. It's going to descend upon you today. And the Lord is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And the evidence is going to be that you're going to speak in other tongues and you're going to speak them out this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now I pray that you will honor your word. God, I know that I know that I know, Lord, that this is the will of God that we, that we walk through this book of Acts. Lord, I know, Lord, I know that you are leading us throughout this year, Father, this year of prayer, Father. God, it's just a momentum, something that is just growing and growing and growing and growing, and now it needs to come into fruition, Father. And I just pray right now, Lord, for those that are hungry and those that are thirsty and those that are desirous this morning to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. You are the baptizer. I pray that you will baptize them right now in the Holy Spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray Holy Spirit descend from heaven. Holy Spirit light upon those that are here this morning. Holy Spirit begin to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit begin to begin to give the evidence, begin to give the, the utterance, begin to give the tongue right now. Begin to speak it out right now in the name of Jesus. Begin to speak it out right now as the Holy Spirit has come down. The Holy Spirit has descended right now. The Holy Spirit is in this room. The Holy Spirit is in this house right now. He's baptizing people with the Holy Spirit all over this room. He's baptizing people with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voices and give him praise and give him worship in his house today. Come on, give him worship, give him praise this morning. Give him worship, give him praise. He deserves it this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name.